Hello everyone. Before we begin, I'd like to give a brief update on things. Up until this point, we have made audiobooks for white papers, which is incredibly useful for researching and learning about blockchain projects if you're unable to find time to sit down and read about them. However, we have also noticed there are a lot of people out there who are starting out at ground zero, and the task of truly understanding all this crypto lingo can be quite daunting if you're new to this. So, we have decided to pivot our purpose slightly. What this means is, we'll be doing a spark notes for blockchain concepts and white papers, giving a translation in very basic English with the goal of enabling a five-year-old to understand what's going on. We'll do our best to regurgitate the information accurately and reaching out to experts or the teams of these projects to verify the accuracy of our interpretations. As a result, we'll be changing the name of this podcast from Arturo Capital's Research Lab to Arturo Capital's Blockchain for Babies podcast. Now, welcome to the new podcast, and let's begin. This is Arturo Capital's Blockchain for Babies podcast, and I'm Derek Fiebiger, the Chief Investment Officer of Arturo Capital. At Arturo Capital, we do a lot of research on blockchain projects, and that involves reading literature on these projects. Since we're not coders or developers by trade, a lot of what we do revolves around translating and deciphering complex blockchain concepts and distilling them down to concepts everyday guys like us can understand. We also can relate to those starting out in blockchain kindergarten, trying to wrap your head around all of these very basic concepts surrounding the tech isn't easy. Our goal is to take concepts and white papers or position papers which is the official literature detailing a blockchain project and distill them down to very basic, understandable English. The ultimate objective is to spread education of the most innovative technology in our lifetime. We hope to ELI5, explain like I'm five, every project, and if our translation is still over your head, please let us know so we can clarify and continue to improve. Keep in mind, some of this tech can only be dumbed down so much before the translation becomes inaccurate, so there may be a little complexity here and there, or certain concepts that go unmentioned. Before we do a deep dive on specific white papers, we found it prudent to analyze the most fundamental blockchain tech, and that's why we're starting out with a lesson on proof of work. What is proof of work? Digital currencies like Bitcoin are much more like cash than bank accounts or credit cards. The transfer of value in Bitcoin is a push mechanism, not a pull mechanism, as is the case with credit cards, debit cards, and most other digital payments. A Bitcoin payment is not an authorization to pull from your account. Instead, it pushes the precise payment amount itself as a value token directly to the named recipient. A single transaction does not authorize any future transaction or expose the user's identity. The transaction itself is unforgeable and unchangeable. As a result, Bitcoin payments can be transmitted in the clear without encryption over any network and can be stored on unsecured systems without fear of compromise. This clip was from Andreas Antonopoulos educating the Senate of Canada in 2014 on the technology behind cryptocurrencies. Andreas is one of the top spokesmen in the space and great to check out any and all of his material if you have the chance. What Andreas was talking about in this clip is the general overview of sending a transaction in Bitcoin. He defines it as a push mechanism. 
This just means the asset is being taken by the sender and pushed over to the recipient. In banking, there are several steps involved in sending a transaction, and in large part, it involves pulling funds from their internal pool of money to execute the transaction. The difference being with crypto, your funds are always your own as long as you own the private keys, whereas with banks, they are pulling funds from somewhere else to make your transaction whole. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. So I'm supposed to be explaining proof of work and I'm adding more complexity. Uh, why am I doing that? Well, this is a good primer for what proof of work can enable and hopefully it will make sense by the end of this episode. How does that last clip relate to proof of work? Well, proof of work is a consensus model that gives you this control of your own funds and allows this pushing of funds to happen as opposed to pulling. Wait, I don't even know what a consensus model is. How am I supposed to understand proof of work if I don't know what that is, you might be thinking. So let's back up. If you've been trying to get a grasp on blockchain, you've seen POW mentioned. POW stands for proof of work. Proof of work is the most dominant and proven type of blockchain. There are different types of blockchains, and these types are also known as consensus models. They call them consensus models because blockchain works by essentially being one big spreadsheet that everyone can agree is accurate and no one can change it. This form of agreement is also known as consensus. The mechanism a blockchain uses to achieve this consensus is known as the consensus model. So what is the proof of work consensus model? Firstly, let me clarify that we're going to explain proof of work using Bitcoin's proof of work model. Bitcoin is the most popular proof of work model, so it makes the most sense to use this as the gold standard to explain. Everyone has their favorite coins with their own special brand of proof of work, but Bitcoin is the most familiar example, so we'll use that. No offense to your coin, I'm sure it's a very nice coin. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the Academy for this. So, as stated already, Bitcoin uses proof-of-work for consensus on its ledger. The ledger is just a long list of transactions. Wait one second, I'm going to queue up a helpful example. Easy bake, easy bake, fast as you can. Mix them up, mix them up, pour them in the pan. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out, easy bake, wow! Just like if you have a thousand unbaked cookies that are waiting to be put in the oven, you have to split these cookies up into batches on a cookie sheet and put the batches in one by one. You can't just throw all the cookies in at once. It won't all fit in the oven and they won't all get cooked right. Proof of work kind of does a, a form of batching like this. This batching is referred to as blocks in the world of blockchain because the transactions are batched into a block of transactions. It might then make sense to you that 
a sequence of blocks on the network become a chain of blocks, also known as a blockchain. Wow. Additionally, you have to make sure that all of these batches are real cookies before you put them in the oven. If someone swapped out a cookie with a grenade and put it in the oven, that would be a bad thing. In Bitcoin, if someone tried to spend the same Bitcoin in two different places and pass it onto the ledger, that would be a very bad thing as well because it would no longer be sound money if you can spend the same coin twice and only lose one coin. This event is commonly referred to as a double spend attack. How do we make sure double spends do not happen? It achieves this with the use of miners. Kenny, look. We gotta go mine. We gotta go mine. We gotta go mine. We gotta go mine. No, not that kind of mining. There is no actual physical mining taking place. It's just a cool way to describe a very boring process. In proof of work, Miners are just computers that run a program to solve a very complex math equation. This is known as a mathematical puzzle, and the answer to it is called the hash. Think of the hash as a unique signature or a unique ticket you pull out at the DMV to prove your spot in line. But the important thing is this ticket is what gets you money, gets you paid. So everyone wants to get the ticket or the hash in order to win the reward and publish the block. But why is it called a hash? Well, the answer is actually called a hash. So the puzzle to get to the hash is referred to as the hash puzzle. So what are these computers or miners competing for? Well, they're competing to solve the hash puzzle because the first one to solve it wins the race and gets to publish the block. And when you publish the block, you get paid for it. And that's why in Bitcoin, you might have seen in the news, there are thousands and thousands of these computers or miners, and they're all trying to beef up their chances of solving this hash puzzle first, making it basically one big nerdy math competition. They see me mowing my front lawn. I know they're all thinking I'm so wide and nerdy. Just too wide and nerdy. To repeat this, now, whichever computer or miner wins this race and solves this hash puzzle, they get this new fancy hash as their trophy, and they get paid a reward for winning the math race. This reward payment is in the form of Bitcoin, and it's also known as a block reward. Additionally, the miner gets to publish the block they won onto the blockchain. To do this, they stamp their new fancy hash onto the block, and they will also include the hash of the previous block, so everyone knows the order of this block relative to the previous ones, kind of an indicator of where you were in line. This also helps prevent double spends, since a specific transaction can only be spent once, and the forced sequential order of the blockchain, if you remember the analogy of batches of cookies coming in one by one. This forced order ensures you don't spend the same Bitcoin on two different things. Yeah. Lieutenant Drebin, police squad. Oh, I remember you, Drebin. Well, what do you want? I want to ask you some questions. You familiar with that face? I don't know. 
My memory ain't so great. Oh, yeah? Maybe this will refresh your memory. I don't know. It's still kind of hazy. How about this? Yeah, I remember him. I used to see him around. Why do you want to know? I can't tell you that. Well, maybe this will help. I really don't think I should. Yeah, you still don't think so? All right, his name is Nordberg. He's a cop. He was no cop. He was dealing H. What? I'm telling you, he was dirty. Oh, you snubbling scum. I ought to run you in right now. All right, all right. He worked at Ludwig Shipping. He tried to push something on one of my boys. I swear it. So what are you going to do about it, copper? Well, why should I tell you? Maybe this will help. I still don't think I should tell you. Can you spot me a 20? How about now? All right, I'm going down to Ludwig's office. I'll find out if you're telling the truth. If you can grasp these technical concepts you can understand how digital scarcity is created through these algorithms and there's no central controller. And then if you can understand that, you can then understand the greatness of the blockchain and the possibilities it can create. So basically, if you're not following, this proof-of-work algorithm allows a decentralized network of computers to coordinate with one another and find consensus or agreement on the specific order of transactions and the previous order of every transaction leading up to now. Bitcoin is doing this with money, but then you can take the money aspect and repurpose it into things like contracts, contracts that self-execute. And once you do this, you can run computer programs on top of a decentralized network Granted, it's very slow right now and needs to be improved upon, but a lot of what you're seeing in today's world is starting back in 2008, Bitcoin revolutionized peer-to-peer payments with this blockchain, and now this same peer-to-peer technology is being repurposed and remolded and applied to all sorts of different applications. Yeah, so another area is because the internet revolution really just democratized information. Because it wasn't secure, a lot of the other amazing things that could be done with the internet were never done. You know, because if it's not secure, you can't put money on it. You know, you, you, you can't put any of the, all the other sort of interesting things. You can't put voting on it. You can't put governance on it. You can't do any of these other things. You can't put energy systems in it. You, if it's not secure, you can't put critical systems there. You can only use it for information. Not that information is invaluable, but it's one pillar. So the internet has basically only been one pillar of what's possible. Once you've now secured it, all of the other things become possible. You know, so it's probably 10 times bigger than the internet. Maybe 100 times, but you know, probably at least 10 times. That was Brock Pierce, founder of Blockchain Capital. He's one of the first big-time investors in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and now he's involved with EOS as well. And there he was describing what the power of blockchain can enable as it relates to securing information. Now, all of this is amazing, but that's not to say innovation isn't absolutely necessary. Similar to the early internet days when it took you two days to download a song off Napster, you can only process 500,000 total transactions per day on the Bitcoin blockchain. You've got mail. For instance, Visa does 20,000 transactions per second. And if the whole world is running off the Bitcoin blockchain just for payments, 500,000 transactions per second will not be enough. However, very smart people are working on technical solutions in order to help make this happen. 
And this podcast is going to explore all of those in future episodes. In conclusion, proof of work is the most proven consensus model in the blockchain space. There are several other iterations with their own experimental and unproven approaches, such as proof of stake, gossip protocols, DAGs, which are directed acyclic graphs, delegated proof of stake, and the list goes on. But it's best to understand proof of work first and foremost, and I hope this has helped clarify things a bit for you. My name is Derek Fiebiger of Arturo Capital, and this has been the first episode of Blockchain for Babies podcast. I hope you share this with your friends, your grandmother, other five-year-olds to help them get started with understanding some of the nuts and bolts surrounding blockchain. Thanks for tuning in.